Well, good morning. What a pleasure it is to be with you this morning. My goodness, that was a lot of children, wasn't it? Good job they don't know how to drive yet or change a Wi-Fi password because they would take over if that were the case. Uh, my name is Pastor Danny uh, from Adult and Teen Challenge. Um, I, I want to share with you this morning a little bit about who we are and what we do. I want to introduce to the team we have here. We have Jaden. Uh, he's with us here. He's on our leadership program. And then we've got three different students. You'll hear from a couple of them this morning. And I want to give you a bit of an overview. And then um, they're going to come up and share a testimony about what God's done in their lives. Um, so Adult and Teen Challenge, our vision is, how many of you guys, by the way, have heard of Adult and Teen Challenge before? A whole bunch of you. Fantastic. That means you obviously support us, uh, so we really appreciate all your prayers and your support. Uh, Adult, Adult and Teen Challenge, our vision is to put hope within reach of every community by providing freedom from life-controlling issues through the power of Jesus Christ. It's what we do exclusively. And I say it that way because there's often times where you would be faced with a situation, maybe a loved one, a friend, a family member, and you just don't know how to help this person. And you are even a little bit intimidated by the, the depravity that you are seeing. And when you learn about what's been happening, you feel, I have no idea even where to begin. Give us a call. Go to the website. This is what we do exclusively. You can go to the website. It's teenchallenge.tc. We also have a table just outside there as well. So you can head out there after the service. You can meet some of the guys. If you want to give and support, you can do that. If you just need some information to find out how do I help someone, uh, or maybe you need some help yourself, uh, right there you can grab a brochure and it explains everything that we do. So we have a core program. It's called a long-term program. Um, it runs anywhere from a year to a year and a half, depending on uh, how faithful the student has been and uh, whether they've stayed out of trouble or not. Uh, for some people, it takes longer. And, uh, for some people, you know, a little bit less than that, and they're finding some real freedom uh, in their life, and so that's incredibly exciting. We don't want people to focus on the length of time. That's, we're not prison. Uh, we want people to focus on the transformation, and what we see in Adult and Teen Challenge is some fantastic transformation that really stirs my heart. And so you'll hear some of that today in the testimonies. Um, so we have a long-term program. It's a core program. It's live-in. So the, the guys come and they live with us. And uh, over that time, we have different metrics. We, we encourage them to grow and mature in several different areas. One of them is academics. There's lots of studying, lots of classwork. Um, there's vocational. We, we have different work sites that they go to. And our hope is that uh, we can equip them to be certified for different things, whether it be food handlers or first aid or whatever it may be. We want to equip them and certify them. We have a vocational shop, a thrift store, and so on and so forth. So there's lots of ways that we do that. Uh, the other aspect is the social. Um, so uh, when you live together with a group of guys, uh, that's, uh, that, there's a lot of challenges that happen there. When you come together, especially if you're used to living on your own, anyone that's been married for any length of time, you will know it's a challenge living with somebody. Am I right? Oh, we just, oh just a perfect marriage is in this place. Great. Uh, I, I need to get some help, so I'll come and find you guys afterwards. Uh, siblings fighting. Like just this morning, I got up and I was thinking, it's Father's Day. Where's all my cards and, and the bacon? I smelt no bacon. Uh, that's my bad. The kitchen's under renovation. But I had no cards. I said to my youngest daughter, where's my cards? Because, well, I was going to make you one. But last night you went, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. So I didn't have time. I'm thinking, I feel like you're using that situation against me because it was bedtime. 
that seems like an excuse to me. But when you live together in community, there are challenges. And so we help students to reconcile those challenges. How do you go to your brother who's perpetually frustrating you because he's not making his bed and his room's a mess or he smells or whatever reason uh, they come with? Uh, how do we reconcile that in a way that's not hostile, that's going to get you in trouble? Uh, so social is a large part of it. And then the, the last part of it is re-entry. It's in other words, once that program, uh, once you've reached a place where you say, I feel like I need to move into the next season that God has for me, what's the next step? So for some people, they stay on with us in our leadership program. That's what Jaden's doing. Um, and some of them, they go find a job. They go enter the workforce or they go to school. And so we help them put together a really good plan to say, how do we help you get to the next step so you don't just go back to where you were and sadly relapse and the pain uh, returns. And so it's a, a very exhaustive program. Again, I want to encourage you to go to the website, teenchallenge.tc. You can also check us out on social media as well. We also have a YouTube channel if you search Adult and Teen Challenge of Central Canada. That's a really important piece there. We are Adult and Teen Challenge of Central Canada. Obviously, Adult and Teen Challenge is around the world. Uh, if you want to find some information about the local one here, uh, it's Central Canada. So that's an important piece when you're Googling us or, or looking us up. Uh, we also have, that's a long-term program, we also have community offices uh, and a community office is a place where people can come and find out about the organization. They can find out about who we are, how to get help. Uh, if they have someone that needs help, they can take them to the community office, fill out an application right there and then. Um, it may be, maybe the long-term program is not what is needed, but some level of support and intervention is needed. So we run a small group curriculum called Ready Now Recovery out of the community offices. And so you can go there. Uh, maybe you need a little bit of extra help if you're wrestling with a life-controlling issue. Or maybe you have a friend or a loved one who is also wrestling and you need help because it's driving you crazy and you, you don't know how to help. This person's not getting help. And you say, well, what do I do? Because any, anyone that knows you have loved ones in your life, when they're struggling, the pain is so real for you as well. And so we have uh, small groups, again, for uh, both men and for women. Uh, and then we also have that third group, which is for concerned persons. If you have somebody in your life that you are concerned about, you can come and get help and support and counsel and advice and say, you know, how do I get through this season? So there's, there's many different ways. And then, of course, the big thing as well is we're also working on as a large building downtown Winnipeg that we're uh, calling the Transformation Center. And that is where we have short-term detox. We're going to have doctors on staff there. It's going to be a, a really exciting way uh, to help people. Um, our heart is we want to say to people, when you're ready, we're ready. But if someone comes to us and they're currently under the influence, they have to be detoxed first. And so what we are doing is we're trying to bridge that gap by creating a short-term uh, detox program. So when someone's ready, they come to us and we help them get clean and then they go into the discipleship program. And it's incredibly exciting what God is doing. I mean, I could stand here all morning long and, and talk to you about this. It's very exciting. But I, I want you to hear from a couple of our guys. So no, I'm going to call up Noah in just a minute. Uh, we do have a video, but I didn't bring that with me. And so we're going to skip that piece. Um, so Noah, you're going to be up. But I just, I just wanted to um, quickly say, because I bumped into a guy in the hall and he was asking me if I was Australian or New Zealand. It's British, by the way, the accent, if you're wondering. I just don't want you to be distracted over the next three hours as we try and get through the presentation. Noah, come on up. Just kidding, it's two and a half hours. This is my good friend Noah. Noah, how, how many months have you been in the program now? Ten months. Ten months. Isn't that exciting? Can we give Noah a hand? Yeah. 
Noah's going to share with us a little bit about what God's been doing. Good morning. Good morning. Um, happy Father's Day. My name is Noah Cousineau. I am a French guy from Senegath, south of Winnipeg, about 30 minutes out. Um, I grew up uh, in this small French town, um, about eight or nine years old. My, my mom left. She struggles with uh, her own meth addiction. And uh, so that was kind of, uh, like, caused me to be depressed as a teen. Um, but I kind of replaced or filled that void that was in my heart with uh, hockey. And uh, I was pretty good at hockey. I got drafted to Portage Terriers. And uh, I didn't end up making the team. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, it was fun while it lasted, and it taught me a lot of things. And uh, I forgot to mention I didn't grow up Christian, so I never had a, never went to church. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, my childhood was kind of uh, it was a good childhood. My dad did the best he could. I love my dad because he tried the best he could. And uh, I uh, around uh, 13 or 14, I or sorry 15, I stopped playing hockey competitively. Because I gave room for uh, drugs and alcohol. And uh, I filled the void in my heart with drugs and alcohol. I was a cocky 15, 16-year-old that uh, thought I had it all figured out. And uh, it took me until I was uh, 24 to figure out I didn't have it all figured out. And uh, I crashed pretty hard. I lost things I worked hard to gain. Uh, I lost jobs. I lost my license three times. I... Uh, Lost a girlfriend I was living with for two years, and uh, so my depression came back, and uh, it's when I knew I needed help, and uh, so my dad told me about the Adult Team Challenge, and I was a little bit nervous, because it is 12 months long, discipleship program, and, uh, but I knew God was bringing me to Adult Team Challenge, and uh, he, uh, yeah, he was right to bring me here, because uh, 10 months in now, and uh, I have a relationship with God. I'm content, I'm happy, I'm satisfied. Uh, I am uh, transformed, I'm a new creation, as uh, 1 Corinthians 5.17 says. And the old me has gone, the new me has began. And uh, there's still struggles, but I'm seeking God through it all. And uh, he's making life so much easier now. And I'm actually happy for once, so thank you for listening. Hi, my name's Brad. I'm the older, wiser version of Noah. When I got in the program, I had blonde hair. Some of us take a little longer. Um, not true, sorry. Uh, happy Father's Day. I myself am a father. My son's 22 years old, and uh, he struggled through my addictions. Um, when I was born, I was adopted at 10 days old, and those parents soon divorced, and I grew up without a father, and I grew up without... Father God as well. I didn't go to church. Um, and growing up in Toronto with a, with a single mother, I had a lot of free time. So I met a lot of people that had quick solutions to life's problems. So by the age of 11, I was drinking and smoking. But um, God's gifts propelled me to university and a career. Um, I worked in the film business for 29 years. Um, and uh, things got a little... Uh, interesting when you work there. Um, my addiction started early, so I, uh, it propelled from there. But um, 
I had some grief in my life along the way. My uh, older sister died of an overdose, and my younger sister died of cancer, and then my wife um, died of cancer. Um, along the way, I had some glimpses of God, like the birth of my son. It was, uh, it was a miraculous thing. And, um, and when my wife died, he, uh, he had to watch that. And then I filled the void in my heart um, with alcohol and drugs, and it got worse for me. And the burden of watching his dad drink himself to death, um, I really think about that on Father's Day. So um, my Christian family, the dad that I had that I, what I was adopted with that left, he was in my life. God put him in my life for this very reason, to bring me to Christ. And uh, my family reached out to me, and they decided that Adult and Teen Challenge would be a great uh, thing for me to go to. I'd been through a bunch of rehab programs um, with all the higher powers and this, that, and the other thing. And there's only one. There's just Jesus Christ. And, uh, and his presence in my life, the relationship that I have with him, has changed everything. Um, Adult and Teen Challenge has done a fantastic job of uh, grounding me and and uh, taking the, the pride out of me, teaching me what humility is, teaching me what grace is. And um, today, I, I know that um, it's through Jesus that I will, that my, my life has been saved. It's, it's such a big difference. I was living a false life with false idols, and now I have, now I have a real family. I have Noah as a roommate, which is very interesting. Um, I now know why Matthew 18 was written. Um, uh, but uh, uh, every day I know uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, um, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of your works. Um, and and lest, lest anyone should boast, it's a gift of God. I've got that all mixed up because I'm nervous, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, truly... The, the gift of Jesus Christ is a gift that just keeps giving in my life, and uh, I am so blessed to have the community um, in Winnipeg and the community of, of Adult and Teen Challenge in Central Canada that has done such a fantastic job with all the young men that I see and that I get the, the ability to share the love that the Father has taught me. Thank you very much. One thing Brad forgot to mention is that he's just been accepted into our Surge Leadership Program as well. He's almost done his program, and he's stepping into the, uh, the leadership program, and so he's going to be a part of our staff team real soon, uh, which I'm excited about. But you know, it's amazing to hear these stories and these testimonies, because it's so easy to judge someone. It's so easy to sit there in our comfortable worlds and look down upon people and just say, just stop drinking. Just stop taking the meth. Just stop smoking weed. It's so easy to, to sit there and judge. And then you hear these stories of pain and heartache and suffering and death and death and death and death of a spouse. Like the pain, unimaginable pain. And so, so let's not judge when people are wrestling. Let's just help. Let's just say, hey, we're just going to help. doesn't matter. We're going to help. And that's something that is, is uh, a huge heart of ours at Teen Challenge is that we see people from all walks of life in different places, um, and, uh, and we just want to help people. And what I love about Brad's testimony and Noah's and all these stories, I mean, you know, we could occupy the whole time with testimonies, is they're living examples 
where it says, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, Brad's up here, and he's joking, he's laughing, he's, you know, smiling. That's joy. That's joy that the Lord's placed in his heart, that he's transformed his heart. And so these are living examples of though there's pain in the night, there may be joy in the morning. All glory to God. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand. Yeah. Mainly just so I can quickly compose myself. All right. If you have a Bible with you, why don't you go ahead and turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 15. Uh, today is Father's Day, and so uh, the, I want to I communicate to you a message from the Scripture about the love of a father, the love of a father. It's in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read it for you. It's, we're going to start. We're going to start in verse 4. There's uh, three different stories here, and the, the stories, they're all designed to portray the same point. And so this is Jesus' words. They're in red. It's parables. And, and he tells three different stories here. Um, and uh, the first one's about a sheep. The second one's about the coin. And the last one's about the two brothers or the prodigal son. And he tells each story, uh, and he's trying to drive home this single point. So listen closely. Verse 4, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then jump down to verse 8, the par he's another parable, the guys aren't getting it, right? He's telling the story and his audience must have had a blank look on their face like, what are you trying to tell us? So he says, okay, okay, well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, and she says, Rejoice with me, for I found my lost coin. And again, the audience must have given some sort of body language to make Jesus say, Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you another one. You're not getting it. And so let's jump to verse 22. Uh, he tells the story. We'll come back to this about the, the son that takes off and squanders the money. But when the son returns, verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Uh, let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. Listen closely. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. And then, of course, the older brother in the field that's been faithful and diligent, he's kind of mad. So he comes and then, and then listen to the response of the father at the objection of the older son. The father says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we need to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. You see again and again and again in those few verses, in those three stories, we are celebrating because someone was lost and is now found. He was lost and is now found. Lost and is now found. And a, a good, good friend of mine, pastor, mentor, friend, uh, this is his line, if, if you're watching it online or someone's recording this, uh, he says the essence of the gospel is simply that the Father God wants His children back. And, and I think about this because it really portrays the heart of the Father. And, and Jesus, in this 
um, Gospel of Luke gives these three stories, and it's all about this one phrase, lost and found. And what I'm really excited about is these guys here, they find themselves lost, and they find themselves found. Again, it's right in our vision because of the power of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would come alive uh, to us this morning as we study and read and chew on this, uh, the truths of your word, Lord God. Pray that you would help me to communicate this message in a clear way. Um, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory uh, in this place this morning uh, for giving us that incredible example of a love of a father. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you this morning in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. There is something so powerful about the love of a father. Like w when I meet people, if they pay attention to my kids and they're loving on my kids, you've instantly made a friend in me because these guys are the most important people in my life. And so one of the greatest gifts that I have every single day, uh, and especially on Sundays like today, is that I have these three wonderful kids, Addison, Arwin, and Maximus, and they are in church with me this morning. We're worshiping together, making noise. Can you be quiet, kids? We're, I'm trying to preach here. Gee, we've got security up in here. But there's something so exciting about a father when he sees his kids in church worshiping together and just being with me. And we go to church after church after church after church, like three out of four Sundays. We're in a different church. Uh, and, and it's a challenge for some people. But my kids, they don't complain. They jump in the car. And sometimes we're driving two hours, one way, four hour round trip. That's a huge gift to me that my children are here worshiping God together. Children are so important to a father, or, or at least they, they ought to be. Maybe that's more accurate. I remember one time I was driving along, and uh, I had this thought. Uh, it's part of my daughter's testimony. She was sharing this with us. But I had this thought, and um, <clears throat> it was in my head, <clears throat> completely internal. And I thought, man, this is, this is kind of fun doing stuff with my daughter. We were doing a church event. And I'm like, I wonder if I should maybe go on a mission trip with her. That would be good, me and her on a mission trip, like to Mexico. And then all of a sudden, I had these weird, like, overreaction you know, irrational thoughts. And I'm like, oh, but what if we go to the border? And they're like, they're like wanting to separate us. And, and I'm like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her go. I would never let her go. And I'm like, yeah, but, but so I hold on to her tight. And they're like, we need to separate you in different rooms while we interview. I said, no way. Like child trafficking, not going to happen. And I'm like, but they're going to have guns. I've, I've been to Mexico. I've seen the, the police. They've got these, they look like giant soldiers with these big guns. I'm like, what if they had a gun? I'm like, oh, I still wouldn't give her up. Well, what if they like threatened me? I'm like, well, then they would literally have to stop me from drawing breath, but I will not give up this child. And I, and I, and I had all this thought in my head. And, uh, and then in that moment, the Holy Spirit was moving. And she, she was probably, I don't know, four or five years old at the time. She perked up from the back seat. Now, remember, this was all in my head. She perked up from the back seat and she went, Dad, you wouldn't let anybody take me from you, would you? I'm like, what? How, do, why, how does she know what I'm thinking? This is kind of freaky. And then she goes, e even if they had guns. I'm like, no way this has happened. So I pulled the car over the side of the road. I turned back and I said, listen, what you just heard, where, do, where did you get that? She goes, I, I don't know. It just kind of popped into my heart. I says, remember that. That was the voice of God. You just heard from God right now. And I believe that was a, a, a bit of a, a thing that happened in the car where God was teaching her what it means to hear from the voice of God and confirm in my heart that God is moving, He is real, and, and there's this, this connection here. And I was blown away. The Holy Spirit has been moving in my kid's life from a young age. But what's really cool about that is I think about that story, and I'm like, I absolutely 
would, 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 uh, would give my life for my child. Because in that moment, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, here's the thing. You, you're going to hurt my children? I'm going to take you down. <laughs> I mean, I love you. I respect you. I realize I'm a guest, but I will take you down. These children are so important to me. That's the power. That's the love of a father is that they will do what they, what they need to do for their children. There's something so powerful about the love of the father. And I think God models that for us, the love of a father when he came to the earth in the form of man, Jesus came, he hung on that cross, and he died overcoming Satan. He took him down because Satan was messing with his kids, and he took him down, and now he lives. He overcame the power of, of death and sin, and he lives forevermore. It's an incredible, uh, remarkable piece of, of the relationship that we have with God, and we read about that in these scriptures. I had a dream one time. It was a very brief dream, but it filled me with horror and uh, I woke up, and, and, and I would just have this sense of dread. And the dream was that I was on some snowy mountain, like on the side of the, of the of a, I don't know, like switchbacks, like roads going back and forth. And we stopped, and my son wandered off, my son Maximus. And he wandered off, and uh, it, it, it was dark. It was really cold, like minus 40. And, and we got out of the vehicle, and he wandered off. And I'm like, well, we got to go find him. So I went to go find him, and nobody would help me find him. And I said, we got to go find my son. And they're like, no, you know what? It's too dark. Let's just go back. We'll sleep and we'll look in the morning. I said, what are you, insane? <laughs> We're not leaving this child on the side of a mountain. We're going now. And nobody would come with me. And I ventured out into the snow on my own to find my lost child. And, and then I woke up in the dream. I never did find him. But anyway, it's, <laughs> I don't know. God does stuff like this. I don't know. But, but I remember waking up with this sense of dread of the sheer horror that it would be to lose one of my children. Like, it, it, it's unimaginable pain. And this is because of this connection with the love of a father. And we see this in this story so clear. And in the story, it talks about a good shepherd, right? And the shepherd, he has all these sheep. And if you lose a sheep, it doesn't make sense to go after this lost sheep. Because as a shepherd, the, the, if you think about the sheep, the value is in how many healthy sheep you have. That's, that's the, the point of a shepherd. They protect the, uh, the sheep because they have intrinsic value in the agricultural sense uh, when they're healthy and they're large in number. So if one sheep wanders off, it makes no sense to leave the 99 and walk away, leaving them vulnerable to attack to go in search of the one because you would lose arguably way more than one if you leave these sheep unattended. And yet... Jesus is trying to communicate something to us about his kingdom. That's what this parable is about. Don't miss this. Jesus is trying to communicate something about the love of the Father and the way the kingdom works to the world, the broken world. And so the broken world says it makes no sense to leave the 99 and go in search of the one. And it doesn't make sense unless you are the one. When you are the one, it makes all the sense in the world. When you know the shepherd's coming for you, and there's going to be safety. And so we see this in, in this story, and then what happens is, listen closely, he finds the sheep, he places it on his shoulders, and then he says, rejoice with me, because this sheep was lost and is now found. See, it's not actually about the amount of number. It doesn't say rejoice with me because now I have 100 again, or rejoice with me because none of the 99 were slain while I was gone. It says rejoice with me because I have found this one who was previously lost. And then, and then he, he, he continues on. He goes into the, the next story about the coins. And, and he says this woman has these coins and she loses a coin. Well, she doesn't just shrug her shoulders and say, well, I got nine more. 
she says, no, 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 no. We are going to stop everything. This is absolutely critical that we find this coin. So we need to stop what we're doing. She lights a lamp. She sweeps. She clears house. She does everything that she can to find this coin. And then when she finds the coin, she calls all her friends, gathers them together to celebrate and spends arguably more than the coin is worth just to celebrate its return. It makes no sense until you realize that you are that coin. And so when you are lost, it makes perfect sense to you because you're the one that's lost and suffering and in pain. And if you're wondering the connection, by the way, you are the lost one. I am the lost one. Noah said this. He said, well, you know, I still got some struggles. Dude, join the club. <laughs> like, I don't have it all together. I wrestle all the time. Oh, you're a pastor. You don't struggle. Do I not? <laughs> well, I don't know. Pastor Danny, I don't know. Do you struggle? <laughs> I struggle daily. Thank you very much. And so, yeah, we're pastors. That doesn't mean we don't struggle. So when Noah says, hey, I still some struggles, I'm like, dude, join the club. Paul, go look at how much of the Scripture Paul wrote. And nothing I wrote ever made it into a book like the Bible. But Paul did, and he says, I am the chief of sinners. So, yeah, we still struggle. We still struggle, but there is grace. There is forgiveness. There is freedom. And so, so we keep reading in this story. And he, he talks about the sons. And so if you're unfamiliar with the, the story of the prodigal son or the squandering son, that's kind of what the word prodigal means. He comes to his father and he demands the inheritance now because he's greedy and selfish and immature. And he wants to go do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. And he doesn't care about anybody else. Does this sound familiar to any of you, you guys' students here? We see that over and over and over. What happens, the results of living a life where you do whatever you want to do when you want to do it, because you are seeking joy and pleasure and you don't care how many people you hurt in the process, that literally describes everybody that comes through our doors. And so this son says the same thing. This is what I'm going to do. So he goes off and he lives a life. Sure, there's some temporal joy and pleasure. I get that. There's some temporal, physical joy and pleasure with what he was up to. I can't tell you what he's up to because there's still children in the room, but there, he was up to some things that was not very cool. And, uh, and then he gets to a place where he's, he's eating the scraps. He runs out of money, runs out of power, runs out of influence because he's run out of money. And he's eating the scraps on the floor. And the Bible says he comes to his senses. He comes to his senses and he realizes that I had it better when I was a servant or a son, rather, at the house. He goes, and, and he thought, even the servants had it better. And he comes to this revelation that even the servants of the place that he was a part of had it better than where his, he, he was at. So he devises this speech. He's like, okay, so what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to go up to my father, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Father, I, I've sinned. And, you know, will you forgive me? Will you accept me back as one of your servants? And, and surely that will work, and he'll have compassion. He's a good guy. He'll bring me back in. So he devises his little speech. And he goes back to the father. And we read in the story, this is a beautiful piece of the story. We read in the story that the father, while the son was still a long way off, he sees the son returning. You know what that tells me? The father was looking for the son. Now, it wasn't necessarily off on, in the streets looking for him in that sense. That, you know, we, we see it again and again where there is a, a heart attitude of somebody where, and maybe you can relate, where the more you try to connect with that individual, the further you're pushing them away. And I have people in my life that I have done nothing but love on and give things to and, and, and pursue, 
And, and yet, everything I do, it causes them to pull more and more away from me. And the wisdom, and there's sometimes where you chase, but in this story, the wisdom is the father didn't chase the son down. He gave him what he wanted, and he waited until the son returned. So we read that the son returns. The father, while the son was still a long way off, he ran to him. And if you go study the story, in those days, the attire that that rich, wealthy man would have been wearing was this long dress like tunic thing. The only way he could have run is if he would have hiked it up like this and exposed his legs, which would have been very embarrassing and, and very humbling in that time and quite humiliating. And he didn't care. He saw his son, so he hiked up his dress pant thing, and he just ran and greeted the son. And the son's like, oh, Father, I, 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 um, what was the speech again? Oh, yeah, I, I have sinned against you. Would you? And the father's like, forget all that. Are you crazy? Forget all that. He fell on him. He kissed his neck. And then he says, guys, this is what you got to do. You got to go. I want you to put a ring on his finger. I want you to put a robe on his back. I want you to put sandals on his feet. Go get the fatted calf and kill it because we are celebrating because this son of mine was lost and is now found. And remember, the son just wanted to be reinstated to a servant. And the father's like, no, no, that's not who you are. He says, you are not a servant. You are my son. And now that you are back, you are now found, we are going to celebrate. And we are gathering everybody we know, and we are going to celebrate that you are now found. And then, of course, the, son get, the older son gets mad. The older son's been in the field. He's never once disobeyed the dad. He's, he's basically good with his works. He's done everything right. And he's mad at the father that the father is celebrating that his, his son that was dead and is lost is now alive and found. And he comes to the father and he demands. He's indignant. And he demands. He says, you never once killed the fatted calf for me, but for him you do. And at first, you're like, yeah, what's up with that? We kind of have this righteous uh, defense in our hearts where we say, yeah, that's not right. What's going on? And the father says, hold on a second. You think that I am celebrating because of how good he's been or how bad he's been? That's not what we're celebrating here. And the older son believed that is what they were celebrating because that was his argument, remember? His argument was, I've never once wronged you. I have never once been disobedient. I have labored in the field alongside you. I've been, I've been so faithful. I, I, I. It's all about his works and what he's done. And he believed that that should have been celebrated. And the father says, you have completely missed this point. I am not celebrating and rewarding this younger son because he's been good or bad or back to good or flip-flopping. That's not what's going on. He says, listen, we need to celebrate because he was lost and is now found. See, you're missing it. He was dead, but is now alive. You know what that tells me? It has nothing to do with our works. It has nothing to do with whether we stay off drugs or not, or whether we stop taking the, the meth or not, or whether we can kick the weed or not. That's not what it's about. It's about whether you're clean or you're a drug addict, you're still a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And when you are lost, whether you're lost because of your, your badness or because of your goodness, whatever it may be, when there is a, a chasm between you and the Father, that needs to be addressed. And on this Father's Day, when we look at the love of the Father in this story, man, I, I personally wrestle with this. Like if, if, if my son took off and he squandered everything and then he came back, 
I, I'd wrestle with that. I, I really would. I, like, I'd be like, so where have you been? Ah, so you want, you want back. Th- that's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus was no questions asked. He says, just come on in. And one of the things that I love about working with Teen Challenge is that's what we do. I mean, I've been part of church ministry for, for many, 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 many years. But when I came to Teen Challenge and I saw the open door policy for people that society would look down upon and instantly dismiss, it was beautiful because Teen Challenge carries the heart of the Father. And what I was really excited about is we have, I've had people in my office covered in tattoos with a history of meth usage, gang involvement, threatened my very life. And it was like water off a duck's back. Because I don't look at people based on what they do or what they don't do. I look upon people as that is a son of the Most High King. And when he's lost, we need to fix that. And every day I get to be a part of fixing that. Every day I get to be a part of telling these guys how much Jesus loves them. And we get to lead them and guide them in, in the ways of the Lord. And to hear these, these stories of transformation in their lives just blows me away. And I think about that on Father's Day. And I, and I want to tell you guys that are here, yes, there's regrets. I get that. And Brad said this, you know, I, I think about this every Father's Day. And yes, there's regrets. But can I tell you, God wants that to be left in the past. He really does. Leave it in the past. And no matter what's happened, no matter what you've experienced, you can come to Jesus anytime. And maybe you're here in this room this morning and you've never made a definitive decision to say, yeah, I'm going to pursue Jesus with all my soul. For some of the young people, younger people here in the room, maybe you've, you've been coming to church because your parents make you. I get that. Maybe you're under 18, they, they make you, or you live in their house and they make you. I get that. There's respect there. But my friends, don't miss this. There is a celebration that happens when you've been lost, but then you return to the Father and you become found. And the reason for the celebration isn't because we have more numbers as believers or because heaven has more numbers. The reason that we celebrate is because you have intrinsic worth and value because you have been created in the image of God. And because of that, you are precious and valuable. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And you can throw a big period on the end of that, whether you're a good churchgoer or a gang member selling meth, whatever it may be. You have intrinsic worth and value simply because of who you are. Don't run from God. Don't pursue the joys of this world. Pursue a relationship with Jesus. It's the only place that you will ever find what your soul craves. And Noah said it in his testimony. In his testimony, he said, man, I have joy. I have peace because I now have a relationship with Jesus. My friends, it is all about this relationship with Jesus. And nobody, trust me, we've seen this. Nobody is too far gone for Jesus. And so when you have that revelation where you say, I need to be reconciled to the Father, there is a celebration that happens. And I want to encourage you this morning 
If that's you, if you feel that there's a distance between you and God, if you were to say there is a chasm between me and my heavenly Father, whether it's because of my badness or goodness that we talked about, whatever it may be, if you say there is a chasm between me and God, I want to address that this morning, not because I can do anything in my own strength, but because He came to this world and He hung on that cross. And when He, when he died and He called out those words and He said, it is finished, He did that so that you can be reconciled to the Father. And all we have to do is acknowledge and believe that He is the King of kings, that He is the Lord of lords, that He reigns forever, and one day every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. And so don't miss this opportunity to respond to the Father. This Father's Day, come back to your heavenly Father and experience the joy, the peace, that your soul craves. Let me pray for you. We can have the worship team come back up here. I just want to pray for you in closing. Just keep your eyes closed and your head bowed right now. And worship team, you can get going whenever you're ready. But I just want to quickly pray. If you are here this morning and you say, yeah, I want to be reconciled to the Father. No matter how old you are, whether you're mature in years, or whether you're very young, if you say, yeah, I've been created for this relationship with the Father, and I'm not walking with Him, I'm not seeking Him, you can pray this prayer. And if you're young and you pray this, you go to your parents this afternoon at lunchtime and say, Mom, Dad, I prayed this prayer. Man, they, you want to see joy on their face, you will see joy on their face. Just pray this with all of your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a good and mighty God. Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth. And when I, was a, when I was an enemy of God, you hung on that cross. And you did that to pay the price for my sins. So I no longer have to feel guilt or shame or condemnation. I no longer have to be held accountable for my sins because you, Jesus, have paid the price. And so because of that, I am free. We are, we are innocent because of the work of the cross. Jesus, thank you that you are Lord. I am your servant. You are my Savior. And so I give you my life because it has been bought with a price. Jesus, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you continue to draw me to you all of my days? In your mighty and precious name, amen. Can we give God a big hand for all he's done here this morning? I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, or maybe you pray, prayed it a while ago and, and you want to come back to the Lord, I want to encourage you to find someone. It's not just about praying a quick prayer after the preacher and uh, getting some fire insurance. That's not what it's about. This is about having a relationship with Jesus. And so now starts this process of discipleship. How do I know how to read my Bible? Who is the Holy Spirit? How do I pray? Uh, so, and so on and so forth. So find a trusted leader. Go to the pastor. Pastor Danny or one of your trusted leaders and say, hey, I've made that decision to follow Jesus. Would you now disciple me? Thank you so much for having us. God bless you. It's been a pleasure being with you this morning. Love you guys. God bless.